are you now, are now listening, listening to, to The War Report, Wednesday, Wednesday Night, night war, war Room, room. With, your host, with your host, C. Doe. It's your boy, C. The Walker. Well, I got my boys with me. Mike, Mike. G. G. Get your weight up. Strength and conditioning. Development. Ike Jones. Jones. Stop thinking with your emotions and watch the tape. And be real. Which is not normal for me. It's taking something out of me. Are you ready? Because we are now locked and loaded for the Wednesday Night War Room. Let's go! War Eagle again, War Eagle again, everyone. Happy Hump Day, happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to the latest and greatest Wednesday Night War Room. Smash that like button, drop a War Eagle in the comments. You guys are doing that already. We appreciate that. But what you can also do to help us out is please remember to share our videos on social media. Add us on Twitter. Use hashtag get your weight up, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. Let people know that we are out here and that we're your source for great, great Auburn content during the weekend on weekends. Guys, y'all doing good? Amazing. It's Wednesday. Doing all right. Stuff a little sleepy. You know what I'm saying? A little sleepy. Good. One yeah. day closer to the start of this season. 25 days, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, listen, man, we're getting closer and closer to the season starting. And with fall camp starting, there's a lot of news coming out of the plains. So let's just let's just get into it. Fall camp notes. The biggest thing that people have been talking about has been the fact that we, we talked about D-line on Sunday, mm-hmm. and at the time, defensive lineman, senior Tyrone Truesdale was not with the team, and we were holding out hopes that he would be returning shortly, at least before game one. Well, that those hopes and dreams were dashed in the next day or so. Brian Harson met with media. And it was asked about Tyrone Truesdale and pretty much put it to bed that he's no longer with the team. Tyrone Truesdale had last year in 2020, he had 11 solo tackles, 22 total tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. Back in February, he announced that he was going to return for his fifth season, taking advantage of the free year of eligibility granted due to COVID-19 in 2020. And it's been confirmed this year that he has entered the transfer portal, closing his chapter at Auburn University. With this news, guys, talk to me. What you think? Sorry with you, B-Will. Unfortunately, we lose a little depth. Um... I don't know what type of effect Truesdale would have had. I mean, he's still the same guy he was last year. Last year, we were weak along the defensive line, especially inside. So it wasn't his best season. It wasn't our best season as a team on the inside. But I had hoped that with a much better defensive line coach, a better defensive coach, if I'm allowed to say that. I know that that hasn't necessarily been bored out yet, but I was hoping that he could have a bit of a renaissance hit his last year really hard going into the pros and that there would be something there for him. Um, When everybody else kind of jumped ship, I was wondering what that meant for Truesdale. I thought that was a positive sign, honestly, that Truesdale stuck around. Yeah. And, and wanted to take advantage of everything that we had here. And 
it, it leaves me wondering, is it something like he, if if he was a Rodney G guy, then that was his guy. That was his coach. That's who he loved. That's who he wanted to play under. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to say, and, and it's hard to know what decision he made now that he didn't have the information to make in February. Was it that we got more transfers and we moved Pegues so everybody was piling up in front of him? I don't know. Um, some some unconfirmed reports were saying that it might have been some personal stuff, but um, it wasn't so personal that he didn't still want to play. It's not like he's just sitting out football. He's transferring. So he still wants to play. He just doesn't want to play here. But I, I don't know the exact reason. Uh, overall, how, how does it affect us? I don't think we would have had too much. I don't want to say we wouldn't have had too much production. I think we do now have better inside tackles than Truesdale was. So I don't think we we suffer a ton because of his departure. But um, without knowing exactly why, you know, as always, you wish these guys the best because you don't want to see anybody do poorly. Um, wherever he goes, uh, I just don't want him to play and beat us. That's it. Best to him. Mike G., what are your thoughts on hearing this? Uh, okay, so Truesdale. I listened to Harson's comments during his presser about the Truesdale exit. And um, he said something, and then he said nothing at all. So where that leads me is, is that there's been a culture change. And I think that it took some guys a while to figure out where they fit in this new thing that is Auburn football under Brian Harson and Derek Mason and Mike Bobo. Yeah. So, you know, work hard work has been a thing. And some guys jumped early, some guys figured it out in the middle, and now some guys are figuring it out at the end. So, you know, you're talking about a two-year starter um, that uh, made twice as many tackles in, in two years as Big Cat did in four. <laughs> never <laughs> so, forget. Yeah, never forget. Uh, and I'm just looking at it and I'm just thinking, I, I wish him well. So, you know, if, if, if he's making what he thinks is the best move for him at this point, I can't fault him. Uh, if it was disciplinary, I hope we never know. Yeah. I hope they keep that in house. Uh, unless the mistake is public, I am not a fan of publicly, you know, just outing players for internal things because there's two sides and the university will always get to put their side out first. And then you potentially damage the reputation of a player trying to go to another program and start over. So if, if it was discipline, I hope he learned his lesson and he doesn't take that with him to his next deal. But I, I don't want to know what it is. Uh, other than that, um, it, I think it's just a signal, man. Like Carson is trying to signal to people, to his team, what he's willing to accept and what he's not willing to accept. Yeah. And based on what we know about how the previous coach let some things go, now, after the fact, and the examples that were being set for kids and some of the things, shenanigans that were going on, all right, this is not unexpected, right? I hope this is the end of it. Uh -huh. I yeah. mean, <laughs> a couple weeks out from the season starting, so I hope there aren't a whole lot more guys just now figuring out that they don't, belong here or they can't make it here so you know hopefully we've dwindled it down listen i i wish truesdale uh much success in his future unless he's playing all so yeah where i'm at about it 
Welcome, Doug Esom. Hey, love to family. see y'all jumping on board, man. Welcome, yeah, man. Appreciate Free that. Just in, just in time for an amazing season. Hey, Listen, we did us, a facts uh, or nah. We did a facts or nahs a few weeks ago uh, about this, and we talked about the way we prefaced the question was: Are there going to be any Auburn players who in, end up off the team due to disciplinary issues? Right yeah. now, again, we don't. We're not insiders. We don't know. Word on word has it that it was personal, like family type stuff. I just think it's it's unfortunate to see a guy go from winter workouts to spring practice to summer workouts only to not make it to fall camp. You want to be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor. You want to be, if you put in that hard work, you want to be able to have a chance to prove your hard work on the field. And I think there was a part of me that was rooting for Truesdale to at least get an opportunity to contribute. Like B, I didn't think he was the best lineman we had, but he had a ton of experience, could have been a leader up front. And to see him not get an opportunity to contribute is disappointing. But I, I join you, you guys in saying that I wish him the best. I do think it's kind of odd how Harson handled it, assuming that it is a family issue. So, right? Let, right. let me. I, I've, I've alluded to this before, and, and I'm not trying to cast aspersions now because I have no idea what actually happened. But as I know from working um, at the university inside a certain uh, division, and I was talking to pretty regularly the people who handle disciplinary stuff. And one girl who was a grad, uh, she was a grad student, and she was like, yeah, so when somebody leaves and you don't ever hear why, you just know that they left, something happened. Something happened. And when they leave, you don't hear an explanation. The coach is not trying to give you an explanation. Because it happened as a student, that can stay sealed as long as they leave. We'll never know what they did. And to Mike G's point, I don't want to know what he did. You know, I'm in grounds. I hope he didn't like kill or rape anybody or anything really serious like that. It could be simple as something you got pulled over and you had a joint in the car. So that's a disciplinary strike and they have to discipline you somehow. But if you don't want to get disciplined for it at all, like, look, I'm just going to go out of here. You don't say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'll just go somewhere else. Cool. Cool. And that's how that works. And, and again, we've had some, I want to say high profile transfers because of that, but we have had some transfers in, in the last five to seven years under those exact circumstances. So I know what it looks like. I also know that that was mostly Gus. So I don't know what Harson's language is yet. I don't know that he's no longer with the team because he wasn't too talkative about the guys who dipped um, right after A-Day. He didn't right. say much. He just said, right, they're no longer with the team. So um, I don't want to read too deep into it. I don't want to assume anything. I don't think it's impossible for that to be the case, but I also don't I think it doesn't matter as long as he didn't commit any violent crime. I just want the best for him wherever he goes. He's he's done everything he was asked to do here as a player, and he's never we've never heard anything bad about Truesdale. So hopefully he finds somewhere to produce because I don't think his football career is over, and I don't think that's what he's doing by this move is saying I'm done with football. He's transferring, not quitting. And that means he wants to play. He wants to be a pro somewhere. So hopefully he goes somewhere that can give him that development to do that. So, Mike G, we you you were out Sunday. We t- we did a, a preview of the defensive line position group. Yeah. And we talked about some guys we liked. 
Who do you like? Uh, you didn't get an opportunity to kind of speak your mind. Who who do you like? I mean, of course, you got Big Tony Fair, but who do you like on the defensive line that can step up in place of a Truesdale that can has an, a special opportunity to show something special this year? Big Tony who, who, Fair. Big Tony Fair. That's yeah. it. well, you know, there's other people on the line, right? Yeah, hey, uh, Big Tony Fair. That's the guy I'm watching okay. now. If, you, right. if you're not used to this by now, what I do is I pick one guy and then I ride with him. So, in January, what I tell you guys, I said, listen, Demetrius Davis is still in. I've not backed off that. He's just not ready yet. It's been nope. Demetrius Davis, Malcolm Johnson. Malcolm Johnson Jr. was my and next guy. Who, right? And, and what did we okay. hear about Malcolm? He's been starting We'll get up. to that. Right? Supposedly. Okay. Yeah, we'll get to that. We haven't talked about that yet. Yeah, you get too excited. You get too excited. Keep right, talking about Tony Fair. <laughs> I was right. wondering why he was grinning so yeah, I was like, I was like, and now, big Tony like Fair is my next, my next man up. So, uh, I was a big fan of this pickup in the portal. I think this was a complete heist for Harson to pick a guy like this out of UAB. And, um, you know, look at what's happened here, right? We moved JJ Pekis, right? Right gets hurt. You know, we, 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 we bring in Tony Fair. Now Truesdale's gone. I think there's a master plan at work here. <laughs> I really do. And we have speculated as fans and as commentators and as content creators about what's really going on. And I think what I'm seeing is, is that these guys might actually just know what they're doing. So, uh, Tony Fair, uh, this is a new look Auburn defense, by the way. Because the 2019 Auburn defense was one of the best iterations of our defense that we've seen in the last decade. And if you're a member, we're about to drop a four of the record, which will explain why that defense was so good. The 2020 version fell off a cliff in almost every, literally every statistical category. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they went out and they took what I thought was going to be the strength of our defense in the secondary, and they made it even better somehow. Yeah. Right? We returned the top two tacklers in the SEC. Uh, I'm sorry, two of the top five tacklers in the SEC. The best tackler in the nation is Kobe McLean, and the fifth leading tackler in the SEC in um, Owen Papo. But the D line was it was a problem after Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown exited. Yeah, that's a lot of talent. Listen, credit to them. That's a lot of talent to try to, to fill the gap with. Sure, but. Now they've gone out and they've tried to rebuild that. Everybody was freaking out about recruiting. And people forget, man, when you bring recruits in from the portal, a lot of these guys take a couple years just to catch their bodies up physically to be able to play in the SEC. So going out and getting guys who were already physically developed is a big deal. Tony Fair is that guy. Now, I believe he's going to have to drop a little bit of weight um, to kind of make it through the season. Uh, I don't think his conditioning is going to be an issue. But... Uh, beside him, I would just say I, I was high on Lee Hunter as well, too. Like, I'm not ready to make any predictions on this young man, but I think that he has a chance to do something special as well. High ceiling. Yeah, and, and, and what you've slowly seen, hear me out, fellas, what we've slowly seen is a changing of the guard where a lot of Gus's guys chose to exit. Mm-hmm. And Harson's guys are taking over. Yeah, I think we're, what we're seeing is he's making this team his a lot faster than we anticipated. Right. 
What do we normally say? We say, hey, listen, you never know how good a coach recruits until like two, three, four years. Right. When the old coach's guys are gone and his regime comes in. But now with the advent of the portal, you can switch out pieces a lot faster. Yeah. So, you know, I I like Tony Fair, man. I, I think that he has a chance to do something special. And there's, again, I can't stress enough, catch tomorrow's for the record. <laughs> there's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> so it's not like he's got big shoes to fill. He's just got to get in there and plug some gaps and just be a big body that's hard to get around. You know, we uh, Kobe Wooden made some comments and he shouted out, uh, I believe it was Marcus Harris. Yeah, and Tony Fair. And... And and Tony Fair, Marcus Harris, and himself, and he just mentioned how because of what Tony Fair can do when you have three down linemen, how he can take up two people, how it's just going to cause those guys to wreak havoc. And we 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 know Kobe Wooden has a high ceiling. If if Marcus Harris is as good as advertised as they say he has been. I think we're, I think it's it's going to be a new day on the defensive line, and I'm looking right. forward to us no longer getting pushed around again. I still have nightmares of the Tennessee game where and and Texas A&M where they begin to just run the ball down our throats. Oh. I'm hoping for that to change. And again, for the record, we're going to talk about third down defense, mm. and mm. one of the big reasons for our third down defense struggling is we were losing first and second down. It was third, third and manageable regularly for opposing offenses, and they had the whole playbook. Right, right. So, putting the offense on their on their heels is, is a big key, and we got guys on that D line who have made some plays. I'm excited about Akuliota. I'm excited about people who who can really pin their ears back and bring pressure. Yeah, right. So. It's a new day. Uh, again, we wish Truesdale the best, but uh, Auburn moves on. So there's been a few other sound bites coming out of the Plains. We we heard from Bobo. We heard from Mason. Heard from a few of these guys. And Bobo talked a lot about the receivers. And one of the news, and we're going to give Mike G an opportunity to just be uh, a, a cheerleader here. One of his guys who he's been big on since early this year is reported to be working with the first team. Uh, who, who might that guy be, uh, Mike G? Malcolm Johnson Jr. <laughs> now, you guys don't know who Malcolm Johnson Jr. is. I just need you to pay attention for a second. Now, now, what do we hear during the spring? Who's, who was the receiver that was tearing it up during the spring? Who do we hear? Jarvis, Jarvis right. Johnson. All we heard is about Jarvis Johnson and this, that, this, that, in the lead up to eight eight. Now, listen, maybe this young man was having phenomenal practices at the time. I hope he's still killing it. But what I saw during a day was a concerted effort to get the ball to Malcolm. We didn't accomplish that at a high clip, but I saw him getting behind the defensive backs and into the secondary. He had a clean touchdown, man. If Bo had just put the ball out there faster, it would definitely would have been a touchdown. Demetrius Davis threw him a strike. Arguable about whether it would have been a catch in a regular game. It definitely would have been reviewed. He went to the ball, rolled, ground, rolled over, and the ball came out eventually. But um, solving the vertical passing game is going to be the difference 
between seven and five and possibly B's prediction of nine and three. Again, hear me out. Last year, there were more than a couple balls, deep balls, to a wide-open Anthony Schwartz that if we had completed, would have been complete momentum changers. Some of these games. Yeah. And being able to have a guy who maybe doesn't have Schwartz speed, but you're talking about a guy who ran a 10.3 800-meter dash in high school. He's fast. He has tracked that. He has straight line, just burn, you know, holes in the soles of your shoes fast. And can make plays down the field. It's going to be huge if we can just get him the ball. He's a d- dynamic punt returner slash kickoff specialist. I mean, he can do a lot of really, really good things. And I was so excited. I was just like, man, I hope. But the more I, I heard... Through the spring and the summer, I kept hearing about Capers and Canyon and Johnson and I was uh, Javaris Johnson. I'm like, oh, is my boy Malcolm getting lost in all this? And then lo and behold, reports out of camp, he is running with the ones hard in front of Kobe Hudson. So Malcolm Johnson Jr. cracks this starting lineup. I'm telling you, he has a chance to be a star at Auburn. And what I also, also what I read was he seems to have a lot of chemistry with TJ Finley. Hmm. TJ seems to be finding Malcolm right on the money. Now, uh, I've, I, I don't know if it's a sunshine pump from the coaches, but uh, what we're hearing is, is, is that both the quarterbacks have been putting on a show in camp on, in, in, in practice. Which is good to see or hear. Yeah. Yeah, we have an actual quarterback competition going on, right? Like, like, listen, man, Bo can't slip. He can't slip. And for the sake of guys like Malcolm Johnson Jr., I hope that he doesn't because I'm tired of us wasting wide receiver talent. Right. You know, and I'm not blaming Bo for that. I blame the system primarily. But uh, we need the quarterback, man, to get, get the playmakers, the ball, man, let them do their thing. Dude, we've got tons of talent at wide receiver. All those guys are dynamic playmakers. Capers, Canyon, Malcolm Johnson Jr. You know, I was not that high on Javarius Johnson, but, you know, if they say he's good, then great. And then the the, the kid, who's the freshman? Dawson. Uh, Javarius Dawson. Yeah, man. I, I mean, the reports are this guy's this guy tearing it up as well, too. That's too much talent to not showcase it some. So uh, I said it. Malcolm Johnson Jr. from the beginning. I've been high on him from the beginning. Uh, I hope that he is the next best downfield threat that we see at Auburn. I hope he does everything that we thought Schwartz was going to do. Yeah. More consistently and in higher volume. Mike Bobo talked about, and and Harson came back and kind of echoed similar sentiments. I, I think all of us were pretty consistent in not being as down on the wide receiver group as some people were. I think that was a great deal of panic after spring when the wide receiver group didn't overwhelm people, uh, their performance, you know, drop passes here and there, just didn't look as crisp. But Bobo kind of talked a lot about how a lot of these guys were doing a lot of thinking. Then yeah. Harson did a interview recently, and he talked about how you can have talented players that just don't know what to do 
when they get on the field. They don't understand their responsibilities. And according to Harson, if you don't know your responsibilities, it doesn't matter how talented you are, don't matter how, how good you are at the fundamentals, if you don't understand how to read a defense, read coverage, and understand how to attack that coverage, you can't see the field. So according to Bobo, it seems like these guys, according to him, they're light years of, ahead of where they were. Still kind of haven't arrived, but these guys now kind of understand what they're doing and they're playing faster. And we're starting to actually hear positive things about the receivers. What, what do you say to that? And, and what are your thoughts about what this wide receiver group can be? You, you still got the, the transfer from Georgia, who, who Demetrius Robinson, who's, who's in the mix. You still got Capers coming back from injury. There's Canyon out there. What are your thoughts about what this receiver group, the wide receiver room could be? I was never worried. And like Mike was never worried. I don't think any of us were worried. We, we thought there might be some jewel out there that might transfer, that might give us some instant impact experience. And whether or not D-Rob classifies as that, I don't know. Um, his production hasn't been all world off the charts. Um, we know his potential is. But again, we've got plenty of that in the wide receiver room already. Lots of potential. Not barely any production. So I was never worried. I, everything's going to be brand new. The the whole yeah. offense is a reclamation project. So there, there was never going to be a situation where even if we did have experienced wide receivers, that they would be able to come in here and, and have chemistry with the quarterbacks because the quarterbacks are doing something brand new. Uh, every nobody knows exactly what they're doing. Rhythm is going to be acquired as the season goes on, and everybody's got a chance to get in rhythm at the same time. And everybody is going to be jockeying for those top three wide receiver spots. And that's probably the most encouraging thing is that you're hearing that the guys are doing better. Certain people, you're hearing their name more than other people. And that's good. I always love to hear the DBs tell you which wide receivers are flashing. Um, right. The wide receiver coach tell you, the, the OC tell you. It's like, okay, when we start hearing the same name, that's for a reason. Right. So I'm glad we're hearing Malcolm Johnson Jr. I'm glad we're hearing um, Javarius Johnson somewhere. I'm glad we're hearing Tavares Dawson. I'm glad we're hearing names because I already had Canyon tagged as a he, – he's going to be a go-to guy. He looked outstanding in the bowl game. He looked good in the spring game. If, even for an offense that really lacked all rhythm, it looked like they were just out there trying to work out the rust in spring. So I didn't, I didn't think anybody was going to go out there looking like Randy Moss, and they didn't. So I am completely comfortable with nobody being proven, but everybody's showing progress. I'm great with that. We got way too many wide receivers. You're telling me we got five and we don't have three go-tos? Then we're in trouble. Excuse me, not five. We got ten wide receivers on the roster. Right. And we don't have any go three go-tos, we're in trouble. I don't think that's the case. I think we got at least three. We probably got four. I just hope that, unlike in years past, we don't have a coaching staff that's tapping their favorites to be out there, whether they produce it or not. Right. I hope that the competition that Harson is fostering in the program produces the best results and gets us to find those three or four guys more quickly than waiting on some guys who may not be the best guys to try to figure it out halfway, three quarters through the season. So the talk is positive. I'm, again, I'm not worried. We got too many guys here. We can, we can find three out of 10. We, we can hit on the 30%. If all these are still Gus guys, mostly, I believe 
that Gus hit on three out of ten of these guys before he got out of here. I believe he, he did that for us to start the show, so but we'll be good. Yo, what's up? This your man Ike Jones with The War Report, and you've been listening to The War Report Wednesday Night War Room. If you want to get in on the conversation early, catch us as we broadcast this show live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on YouTube. Make sure you check out our other content while you're there, Facts and All, The Weekend Tailgate, our player interview series, Building Rapport, are going strong. All right, enough of that. Let's get back to the show. <laughs> Matt Kay. So you always hear these names and someone else is the dude. It, it, it seems like it, but that's why we we have these these live shows so we can talk about it, right? Yeah. Everyone, everyone has everyone has their dog in the fight. But a couple of you guys have already talked about the O-line. I've seen a few comments about the O-line. Harson has some interesting comments about the O-line in terms of there's been some in their drills. He's had some people cross-training. And we've seen some guys being shuffled around. Brandon mm. Council, it was reported that he was working out at right tackle. Thanks. A couple of days ago. And he made some interesting points about, ideally, you want guys who are playing in their natural position. A guy gets hurt. The next man up is someone who is behind that person on the depth chart who is playing that natural position. That's their position. But in the event that you don't have that, you do have to prepare for the possibility of having guys play out of position until you can build up some depth and develop those guys in the too deep to where they can contribute, which I thought was interesting. I think I was watching a video, Mike G, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he had one situation at Boise where he had like 10 different combinations. 11. 11 different different combinations on the O-line. And it kind of, you know, it kind of makes you a little concerned as to coaches doing that. We did that a lot under, under Malzahn. So the idea of that can be concerning. But what are your thoughts about the O-line in terms of them preparing for the possibility of a guy getting hurt because we know how easily that can happen a a guy rolls up under another lineman it happens far too often what are your thoughts about the o-line and the and what harson had to say about that my g yeah man listen uh, i think that they're trying to figure out what they have in case of emergency because what he was left was was just not great you know, um, I think they showed that last year. I, I wasn't as hard on them as I as a lot of people were. But uh, at the end of the day, there's not a ton of depth because we have not been recruiting well at that position. Thanks. So um, he's trying to figure out if my left tackle gets hurt, what does this O-line look like and who can do what until he can recruit and develop some depth so that you can just have next man up into their natural position. But for right now, he's testing counsel at different positions. You know, he's testing guys just to see, you know, what he has. And that's going to be really important because it will affect the game plan. If we cannot pass protect, it's going to affect the game plan significantly. You know, I trust that Bobo is developing an offensive game plan that helps cover some of our sins on offensive line. And, um, you know, hopefully we can stay healthy. I mean, that's all I can say about it is I, I hope that we stay healthy at that position. Because if we suffer a major injury, God forbid, it could just be catastrophic based on, on, on what was left here. Maybe 
this offseason strength and conditioning program will help a lot in that regard, right? Like I'm hoping these guys got their weight up in the offseason and, you know, hopefully they can just tough it through to the end without any big time disasters. So uh, moving people around is something that scares me from the last regime. Makeshift offensive lines. And particularly because, uh, you know, in Bo, we have a quarterback who can escape the pocket and make things happen sometimes. Uh, If Finley has to come in, I'm worried. Because that's not his game. So having a sitting duck back there behind a makeshift offensive line could be something potentially to be very, very worried about. But, uh, yeah, I... um, I listened to that with a little bit of cringe. Not going to lie. I listened mm-hmm. to that with a little bit of cringe. So that's where I'm at on the O-line. Please stay healthy. Yeah, definitely. B-Will, you got any thoughts on this? Um, I actually want to bring up Bill Moore's had a comment. I was actually going to head there next. Yeah, he said, you won't agree, but I feel like the staff not picking up any transfer O-linemen was the fact that they had some faith in those guys, essentially, is what he's saying. And mm-hmm. I actually, I agree. There wasn't I a agree. lot out there, though. There but wasn't the, a lot yeah, there I think wasn't. two things, two things could it. be true. Yeah, I mean, you kind of was forced to have confidence in your guys because you didn't see anyone you really wanted to go after. Yeah, there was not a right. ton out there in the portal. On he, I think they do have faith in our guys, but I do think that as they diagnose what we were doing on offense, we've heard nothing less than excellence and attention to detail when it comes to the coaches and they're passing that down. So that that leads me to believe that they watched tape. Yeah. They watched last season's film, the, the, the year before that's film, and said, who told you to do that? Why would they tell you to do that? No, forget all that. We've heard from the offensive linemen so far this year that, wow, the light's really coming on. I'm seeing stuff that we didn't even know to study before. Now, when you do that, if you're going to give somebody the equipment to be good at what they're doing, then you might have a little more faith in them than just, you know, what you've got from them on tape. Right. And I definitely think some of this is the coaches going, no, you're better than that. And I'm a better coach than that. So let me bring you up to speed. And I think Mm -hmm. that's completely possible. So I'm not. I don't think we are terrible at offensive line. I think we've got probably a lot of good players, one or two great players, but most of them are probably out of position. That's really the problem. Is that right. we have we don't right. we probably don't have a natural left tackle. We don't. So right. is that a problem? Sure, that's a yes. problem. It's a problem if he's terrible, whoever you put over there is terrible, but if they can be serviceable if they can be decent, if you can call plays to the point where you don't have to worry about your blind side for, for three or four seconds, then that's a, a successful campaign, a successful strategy to compensate for that until that guy catches up or until maybe you're trying somebody in practice and you find somebody better. Right. And that's an option too. Like all this stuff can change. So I'm not so worried about it. If we go down at guard, I think we probably have mostly guards out of eight offensive linemen, five of them are probably natural guards. Honestly. Right. So I'm not so worried about going down there. Center would worry me. Left tackle worries me. And, but it's not that they can't be good. Um, I think just them putting an emphasis on getting the guys bigger and stronger. That makes me more comfortable, honestly, 
If you're telling me that our offensive linemen were worried about being nimble to the point where they were getting handled by defensive linemen, if you're telling me you fixed that problem, then, hey, maybe it won't matter if my left tackle is quick enough because I got a big tight end, and now he's strong enough to at least hold up and not get run over. Cool. Then that's improvement. And you can plan and scheme around the rest. So I'm encouraged. I'm still encouraged. I'm hearing nothing but good things. Really, I'm hearing the about phase and the mental turn that everybody seems to have taken, that's the most encouraging thing about the team this year. They seem to have an understanding of what it is to play football instead of just doing what the coach told me to do on this play. They seem to be physically equipped, and now they're beginning the process of becoming mentally equipped. And I think that bodes nothing but well for us. Right, right. Is this this accurate? Six of the last seven starting tackles at Boise State have been drafted into the NFL, as stated by Shank Apotamus. Uh, that's mm. encur- that's encouraging. If that's uh, if that's accurate, yeah. I mean, I I mean I can't stress enough. You guys got to watch this for the record tomorrow, man. Like, I mean, it it will make you feel good about Harson. It yeah. will make you feel good yeah. about Harson so, and who we have coming in as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a question, Bennett T. Weldon. Does Troxel have quick feet necessary for pass drops? In other words, can he handle those speedy rush ends to be determined, right? Yeah, Yeah, we'll see. To be determined. I do know this, though. He needs to stay healthy. That is for certain because no one has been rotated with him so far in the fall camp. So Mm. I don't know what's behind him, but he needs to stay healthy for sure. So... To be determined on whether or not, I mean, he he's, I think he's going to be prepared. I think from what I'm hearing from our rush ends, we got some pretty good ones. So if, if he's able to hold his own in practice, my hope is that they're preparing him for Saturdays. So yeah, that's right. to be determined on that as well, guys. Um, any other any other sound bites? Any other things that you guys, I've been hearing good things about by Darius Knighton. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's I'll, looking like he may he might be, and we'll talk about this when we do position breakdowns on Sundays for our for our weekend tailgate. But it's it's looking a lot like he could be the guy that actually starts opposite of Smoke, which is wild because I mean we had thought Tennyson that was Tennyson's spot. Like I think Tennyson right? may be moved right back. He may be the nickel corner again. I mean, I, I hope I hope that there's no bad blood back there. I hope that everybody's on board with the competition and everything that that means, which in, also means we may have brought in somebody who could replace you, but you got to be okay with that. And I hope they're really okay with that. But you're telling me somebody came in and outplayed somebody who had been playing well in our secondary over the last couple seasons? I love it. Our secondary was almost beyond reproach. And it's not that we got the most highly touted guys, but whoever we put back there, they were coached up and they produced. So if you're telling me we got somebody brand new, I mean, Knighton was, wasn't he like the defensive MVP of his Juco league? Was it, that was Knighton, right? Was that Rotor? Yeah. I can't remember. I think it was Knighton. We've had so many guys, man. Yeah. yeah, Torrance, Torrance can he Torrance won some he got acknowledged too. I, but I think my nearest Knighton did get some love. So yeah, yeah, we we got we got some ballers also hearing good things about Mason talked about Donovan Kaufman. And yeah. I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting a lot from Kaufman because we had a lot of one-year guys or guys who who in their senior year in the secondary, I just knew that those guys were going to get some burn, but 
And I was expecting to hear about Kaufman and special teams because I knew he's pretty dynamic returning. But it looks like he could get a shot to see the field as well. So I, it looks like these coaches have hit on the guys they brought out of the portal. Right, right. It seems like they've done a good job to be determined as always, right? We don't know what these guys are going to look like until we see them on the field. But from all accounts, we're hearing good things about the guys that they're bringing in from the portal. So let me ask you guys this. What are your thoughts on Jacquez Hunter taking second and 13 reps? Now, this one of us, one of us was big on Jarquez. I think it was you, Mike G. Big on Jarquez being potentially being the second second teamer. Uh yeah, listen. So I made a bold prediction. Mm-hmm. It was bold. Hot take. Hot. Yeah. I go. No, we were Hot. on. Wait, I'm gonna give my boy Zach Blackerby a shout out here. We go mm-hmm. on his uh, broadcast. So Is he you, on? If you uh, listen, no, he's not on. But uh, if you listen to Locked On Auburn, uh, we're doing a War Report Wednesdays over there now. So you get a double dose of the War Report on Wednesdays because he releases his podcast at like 3 a.m. on Wednesday. Um, and. Jarquez, I'm telling you now. Listen, I know there are a lot of Sean Shivers fans out there, and, and I like Shivers, I do. But there are some guys who their talent transcends seniority, mm-hmm. and I really, really think that Jarquez Hunter could be one of those guys. Uh huh. So, uh-huh. um, uh, listen. Uh, in in two years, we're going to be having a discussion about Mike G starting lineups. And it's going to be all the guys I told you guys to watch out for playing at the same time. Uh, and my dream is Demetrius Davis, Malcolm Johnson Jr., Xavion Capers, Jarquez Hunter, all on the field at the same time. At an absolute just destruction they will bring to defenses with a little bit more maturity is going to be insane. I hope we keep everybody long enough for me to realize that dream. But uh, I'm real high. I listen, 600 pounds this man can squat. And he's still got decent quickness and agility. You know what's wild about that is, you know, NFL camp started this month. And Nick Chubb was in Browns camp. And they were like, man, Nick Chubb is beasting it. He's squatting 530-something. I was mm-hmm. like, you mm. telling me 18-year-old Jarquez Hunter is squatting six, 600 pounds? pounds? You know what Nick Chubb? I know what Nick Chubb can do. Right. right. Listen, oh on the low God. center of gravity, he can move a lot of people out of the way. And so what I, I said, just I just want to know what them yards at the contact going to look like. I mean, if he can yeah. keep his legs moving. Yeah. I mean, you're going to hit him, and it's going to be three, and three yards later. Hopefully, you have him on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, remember what Trey Mason was like? Sneaky hard to tackle, but he had a high motor and he always just kept his legs moving. So he seemingly would just fall forward for another three yards. He was like an automatic first down and third and short Mm -hmm. and third Mm -hmm. and four or closer. You're going to hand the ball to Trey at least one play. And if it was fourth and short after that, it was a no brainer. Just give it to him one more time to get the extra yard for the first down. Yeah, man. Mm. I think Jarquez can be that and then some. So. Yeah, listen, I, look, I love Tank. You know, uh, I like our backfield right now. I like Shivers. You know, I think he got his weight up during the offseason as well, too. He runs hard. 
you know, he uh, practices hard, you know, and I, I hope he has a good season. But in case of emergency, because Tank showed us <laughs> that he he might have some trouble staying, you know, this is going to be his first full season. Let's be clear. It will be. Yeah. He's never played awesome. this many games at the college level before because his freshman year was a COVID-shortened season. And But to be fair with Tank, he didn't get a strength and training offseason, a strength and conditioning offseason to That's be prepared. Fair. For he was so he was fresh right. out of high school and did wonders. And honestly, when he came back, he looked a little hampered the first game he came back. But by the second game, he was running. It looked like he was working through yeah. the injury. Honestly, yeah, it's yeah. like I, I don't trust this leg, but I'm gonna go for it anyway. And then he was how Tank is special, and I'm excited that he's gonna have a full off season, right. a more rigorous strength and conditioning program. He might not have the injury problems because of that. And okay. we can say the same for Shavers. Jarquez Hunter is good just in case one guy gets nicked. Twist an ankle, you're out for two, three weeks, good. We got somebody who's right. going to come in here and do some work. But I, I'm glad he's there. I'm just, insurance, man. We were so worried about this position after Mark, what was it, uh, Anthony Richards? Right. Mark yeah. Anthony Richards. Yeah, yeah he yeah. did. Yeah. And I was like, man, we got two dudes and, and one of them stays hurt. Ooh, that's, that's not a good recipe. All right, now we are fully recovered, man. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Excited about mm -hmm. it. War Rapport family, it's your boy Mike G. The 2021 season is almost here, and we're cooking up a bunch of amazing new content for our listeners. New segments, new giveaways, new interviews, and new game day experiences. But you have to be an insider to get in on the action. So head on over to YouTube and search for The War Rapport. When you see the channel, look for the join button. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss what we've got coming. So keep listening. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app and get your weight up by becoming an insider for the 2021 Auburn football season. Let's go, baby. Now let's get back to it. Guys, let's go ahead and get into the latter part of the show. It's been one of the basically part of our thumbnail and title. Let's talk about preseason coaches poll release. Whatever. Who cares? Wah, wah. All right, I know it. I know it. I know it. But here's what it looks like for those of you who aren't aware. Obviously, I mean, there's no shocker as to who number one and number two are. Behind them, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia. In fact, we have three teams from the SEC represented in the top 10. And I believe we have five overall with Florida and LSU Florida coming in at 11, LSU at 13. The SEC, to my knowledge, has the, and Ole Miss, of course, is at 25. The SEC has the most schools represented in this initial coaches poll. You can see Auburn listed at 29 with 84 votes. So here's the initial preseason coaches poll. We also did a facts and all talking about where we thought Auburn would be. I think we actually did a preseason poll as to where we thought Auburn would perhaps be or actually finish up. I think we did both. But seeing the, the initial coaches poll, I think this is the first time since 2016 that Auburn starts the season not ranked in the preseason coaches poll. So looking at this, what are your thoughts? Talk to me, B-Will. Um, we have usually been ranked in the preseason coaches poll, and that hasn't worked out too well for us historically. 
So, um, I don't care about coaches' polls. Um, coaches are voting for coaches. They're voting for reputations, just like fans do. They aren't in camp with the other coaches. They're running their school's camp. They're running their program. So they don't see what else is going on in other places. I, I, this means absolutely nothing to me. This means as much as votes from the AP preseason. This means as much to me as, you know, talking heads on giving their top five teams to watch before the season kicks. We don't know who's who or what's what. It does not make any difference to me that we're outside the top 25. I think it's probably better for us to not, not, I don't, I don't think Harson wants to build a program where, hey, you guys will do well if nobody expects you to do well. That's losing mm. stuff. You yeah, need to I, do well because you were going to do well anyway. And even if I picked you to do well, y'all were still going to do well and not crumble under the pressure. I think that's the program that Harson wants to build. I think being outside the top 25 just throws a little more of a chip on these guys' shoulders. Like, okay, I see we've got some proving to do. So let's go out here and do it. If it's right on in with the mantra that Harson's been preaching. And I think it's a good, just like, um, I thought, was it Wooden? who was left off of the all three preseason SEC all um, defense teams. He said, okay, mm-hmm. I see it. All right. I was a little disappointed, but okay. This is no different. Everybody's got a chance to prove something. This means nothing to me. Everybody who is on there, I guess it makes sense. Um, Clemson, everybody who's got a, a, a quarterback that's expected to be great is in the top five. That makes sense. I'm not mad at any of it. I think LSU will be interesting to watch at 13 yeah. because they their number one got hurt and their number two is actually their number two. <laughs> He's It's not like he was a, a 1A, 1B. I mean, he might have been, but that's not the guy who was supposedly winning the job. So maybe they're overrated. Maybe one or two other teams. Notre Dame is always overrated. Please mm-hmm. get them out of there. But as far as for Auburn, who cares? I, I want to let's do this list after September has passed, after four games. Then let's look at the top 25 and see where we're at. That's what I want to see. What are your thoughts, Mike G? I'll throw this back up here for a second. Um, so y'all don't have to see my face while I talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, no surprises, right? One through five. That's pretty much just a who's who of who's been to the playoff in the last like six years, right? Uh, so nothing, nothing to say there. Texas A&M at number six really, really is surprising to me. Uh, but this is a lot of faith in Jimothy's ability to be able to develop because he lost a lot. Mm. He lost his quarterback to the draft and he lost almost his whole O-line. Yeah. So them coming in at number six, I'll be keeping a close eye on Texas A&M. Of yeah. course, as always, Notre Dame is always somewhere where they're not supposed to be, which is in and around the top 10. So I don't expect them uh, to be a factor in anything uh, playoff related since we're only going to be at four teams in this coming season. You know, and then you got like Cincinnati, like teams like Cincinnati that ended the year strong in a competitive game versus Georgia in the bowl game. North Carolina, a lot of people were high on them last year. Uh, you know, Florida and LSU, right? Florida. You know, just six points short of the playoffs. Uh, LSU, again, man, Brennan going down hurts. It really hurts. So them coming in at 13, 
I'm like, all right, like I, I really did like Max Johnson. I thought he did a really good job. You know, obviously we know what happened with Finley. So, uh, but LSU, world of talent. They got a lot of talent. It was just young and raw last year. Yeah. Right. And they're another one of those teams that the offseason, no offseason really hurt them, given all the talent that they lost to the NFL draft the prior year. Uh, and, you know, with Jamar Chase choosing to sit out the season, I mean, they still had a, they had a receiver go for 300 yards in a game. I mean, they still got a ton of talent. So uh, this this thing will go as Max Johnson goes, I think. Um, and then after that, you got Ole Miss just sneaking in in the top 25 uh, there, which I don't really I don't think I'm mad at that. At the end of the day. Lane Kippen knows what he's doing with quarterbacks. Uh, Matt Corral is supremely calm. Matt Corral's out here charging people $10,000 in appearance for NIL car dealership show-ups. Like, hey. I, I'm like, I mean, I ain't mad at him, but... I ain't uh, mad at the game, man. It's the game. Yeah, it is what it is. And then you got Auburn, 84 folks at 29. So, um, shout out to Coastal Carolina. Sneaking into the top twenty-five preseason, I, don't, I, I guess yeah. you know. I, I guess they feel like giving you know Louisiana Lafayette an yeah. opportunity to get on the list because game one they're playing they're playing Texas. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I, I guess enjoy enjoy being in the top twenty-five for. I mean, I guess they can get back, but yeah. I mean, see, listen, I ain't mad at it. This but, is a coaches yupping it up for other coaches thing because all the hot names that we we heard, everybody got really high on Jimothy after last year, right? So mm-hmm. they're in the top 10. Everybody was really high on the UL Lafayette coach because he was one of the names circling um, for Auburn even a little bit at one point in the offseason. These are coaches who have respect from other coaches is what this is mostly. Like Sark, there's no reason to believe Texas is going to be good this year. But there they are in the top 20. Having lost a, a senior quarterback who, even if he wasn't good or great, he still was experienced. He wasn't the reason t- uh, Texas was losing. They had multiple problems all across the program in almost every position. So right. you're telling me just Sark coming in and losing guys to transfers is enough to get you guys playing top twenty out the gate? They always they always yeah. give Texas love. Yeah, they listen. always give Texas yeah, love. Listen, though. listen. That, that's mean, a big part of it. I troll the boards, right? I'm always on the boards. And a lot of fans after this poll was released talked about the disrespect. Oh my God, how could they leave Auburn out? Uh, we're right where we should be. Yep. Given how we finished last season. Yep. An embarrassing bowl game loss, if you ask me. Yeah, six and five season. You know, loss to South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, arguably our best win of the year was what, LSU? Yeah. Yeah. A depleted LSU team. We're right where we should be. Snipping the top 25. It's the SEC West. We have what is widely believed to be the second hardest schedule in the country this year. And the only team I think that they think may have a harder schedule than us is Arkansas. So it's kind of a a trade between who do you think is the harder uh, Power 5 non-conference game, Texas or Penn State? Uh I think it's Penn State, but whatever. Uh, Yeah, so I'm like, and we go on the road to Penn State and Arkansas, gets Texas at home. So when I'm looking at this, I'm just thinking, it's the SEC, man, just win and you're in. Who cares? Right. These preseason polls amount to nothing. It's, 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 it's right. just about as valid as the media picking the SEC winner at media days. Yeah. You know, unless you're just picking Bama every year, you're almost never right. 
So which is which is what they've been doing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just kind of <laughs> like, yeah, I'm looking at this and I was like, I don't know if this is the thing I would choose to be outraged at. I don't think I think as we finished last season and with a brand new system, we are not a top 25 team to start the season. We haven't proven it. We, right. we haven't proven it. Doesn't mean we can't finish there. Right. You know, we did a facts or no on this. But like I, I'm I'm not outraged by this. Uh, I'm more outraged by some of what I see from other teams on the list. Not that th- we deserve to be there over them. Just how highly, how much that they want Notre Dame to be good so bad. Right. Always. Always. Right? Man. Yeah, you know. Always. I'm happy to see some some names up there like Cincinnati kind of sneaking into the top 10 in a preseason. That's a little exciting to watch. What happens if they mess around and win out? Yeah. You put a preseason hmm. undefeated, a top 10 preseason undefeated Cincinnati team in a playoff. Who do they play out of conference this year? Out of conference? They got to be playing somebody out of conference for them to be ranked that high. You, you got that, Mike G. And while he's looking that up, uh, Liberty did receive some votes. They were they were on the outside of the of top 25 as well. I know a lot of people were saying, why did Liberty not get some love? They were on the outside looking in. Oh, they played Notre Dame. Who does? Mm, and, it's, 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 and, and of course, and of course, of course, our community hit us with that, too. They have Indiana and Notre Dame. There you go. They got, so, they got UCF yeah. on the schedule as well, too. They, so they're in conference with UCF. So they're in conference. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Just in terms of strength of schedule, I mean. So some of that, be. see, some of that is coaches and AP will do this too. They'll set it up so that they can advertise a top 25 matchup or right. a top 15 matchup between two teams early before they get get some losses and those matchups aren't attractive anymore. And then we can go on with the season because somebody else would have done some winning and you can get to the usual suspects in, in their conference mm-hmm. schedule. But this is all posturing, man. None of it matters. Yeah, I agree. I think this is one of the preseason polls are the most useless thing. Uh, you, you Remember, again, this is why after the advent of the BCS, they don't even start give you BCS rankings for like the first eight weeks. That's you true. didn't even know what was what. You need some data. Right. You need you know something who's good to at all. Right. Yeah. And it was to remove the original bias, right? This is the reason this changed after Auburn got left out in 2004. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we started the season so far back. And the way that the human polls were weighted in the formula, it was almost impossible for us to overtake Oklahoma. Yeah. We were never going to overtake Oklahoma, no matter what we did. Now, that team was dominant. I'm not saying we would have beat USC that year because Reggie Bush, you know, despite getting paid, it was still one of my all-time favorite college football players to watch play. Uh, human highlight reel at USC. So I'm not saying we would have won that game, but I think we would have not gotten beaten 55-19 to 19 like Oklahoma did. So, um, you know, when you look at it, at the grand scheme of things, preseason polls are great for talk. Not much else. That's it. That's yeah. it. It gives us, a, and, and again, we're talking about it. So, of course, yeah. it's it's August. Time to talk some football. Let's see what we think. And 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 I and I like this. This is absolutely true. We will probably be ranked by the time mm-hmm. we go up to Happy Valley because right. there'll be teams ABC? ahead of us that probably shouldn't be ranked. Oh, they want to. They want a top twenty-five matchup in prime time. 
That's yeah, why. Exactly. Absolutely. That's why. Absolutely. They're gonna, we're they're gonna, gonna drop. Gonna, so it's not about it's not here. about who's the best teams. It's about how can we get eyes on these games. Unless so, unless unless we go out there and just look like cold farts against Akron. It won't matter. You know why? Because yeah. our game won't be watched. So as long as we win mm. by 35 points I di- I in both games, no, I disagree. I'm telling you. At the beginning of the Brian Harson era, yeah, everybody's going to be watching. We, no, we keep, everybody everybody's going to There are quality games the first two weeks, and there are more important games to watch. We will be watching Akron versus Auburn. Mm-hmm. The rest of the country will not be. Yes, They'll be watching Auburn versus Penn State. I would argue that they're going to be watching because they know Auburn versus Penn State is coming. Right? And a particular, a particularly... Maybe, maybe in, the Alabama State. Maybe yeah, Alabama State. Will. Yeah, and particularly in the lead up to that because they've already put this game in a primetime slot. So, like, I think everybody's going to be watching. They want to know what they picked. What did we pick? Did we pick a dud? This is kind of like, well, when, you know, how the NFL does their schedule... And they try to generate the maximum drama at the end of the season with divisional matchups. So you always right. see the Eagles and cow- uh, Cowboys and Giants all playing each other at the right. end of the season, right? right, right? right. You know? Oh, and I so, didn't even I didn't even think we get a chance to really look at Penn State because uh, according to Corey mm-hmm. Weber, they open up against Wisconsin, so yeah. we get to see what they're made of. Yeah, Perfect. man. Listen, I'm telling you, this people eyes are going to be on this Auburn team these first two weeks because. We, you know, uh, because of the the news around our program, you know, new coach, you know, we got the other coach down there talking. We got, you know, there's just a lot of buzz around this. And I think that it's going to be a storyline if, you know, we look like we're struggling or we have a quarterback controversy after week one for whatever reason. (laughs) I'm not calling saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying, like, listen, there are a lot of storylines around this program that will bring it into focus. I think people will be paying attention. And then going into Penn State, there's going to be a lot of interest in how Auburn does versus a non-conference Power 5 Big Ten team. Yeah. Right? What a gift that game is going to be. So they'll, they're going to find any reason to move us up or dog us out completely before that game. Yeah, we'll see. If we're we'll struggling see. on offense, it will be a major storyline going into Penn State. Oh, for sure. Right? It will. It will. You know, it will. Or, or if Bo is struggling, right? Or if our run game or Tank's not doing it, if our run game's not working. It's just going to be, it's gonna, if, if Penn State is worth anything, and I think that's another thing, too. That's another thing. Penn State needs to beat Wisconsin for us to even get that look, yeah. right? So or win a they, very if, close game or lose a very close game. Lose a very close game. Or win. You know, mm-hmm. like, again, for the, for it to even be entertaining. Because even if they lose a close game, we'll almost be ranked close by each other. Yeah. Going into that matchup, right? So, anyway, uh, I want to do quick facts and all. Facts or not, cold farts don't smell. Those what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you nah, got, Mike? Them, them, them hot ones be burning your nostrils, man. But them cold yeah. ones, oh, the cold, no, ones, the cold no, ones flying on the radar, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think they do. But like my point is, you can see a cold fart. You what? Can? You can't? Did you take anatomy at Auburn? I'm joking. I'm joking. 
Listen, okay. I, don't, I don't know. I just I was saying some <laughs> one stuff time, but like Cole that. Farts, you got what? <laughs> Listen, you man. The end of the on, yeah, you need to go to a doctor. You need to go to a doctor. All right, you're not well. That's actually you can see hot farts in the cold. But my point is, that's right. Those are like brown green. If you can see a fart, it's not good. Right, and so if we look like any kind, any version of fart is going to be bad, and I just really think that people are going to be watching this man. This uh, Auburn's offense will be a major storyline, and because I expect the defense to be all time great, if we're struggling and it's clearly on offense, that's going to be a big storyline going into the season. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. let's let's jump. We got a few more minutes, but I just want to jump back here for a second because I argued on Facebook with somebody about whether Bo, Bobo's statements about Bo were coach speak or not. I thought it was coach speak. Hey, he looks great. He's a great competitor. He's doing this. He's worked on his fundamentals. You know, he looks good. What else are they going to say? They've already decided to start him. Yeah. They're not going to dog him out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I just don't understand... The the storyline, like the storyline, is going to be around this. And if you pump this dude full of praise, and then he goes out there and he doesn't look improved against the cream puff, and I'm not talking about run around the field, bow, because I believe he can do that on Akron. But I will be extremely worried if we see running bow versus Akron and he can't beat them with his arm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be worried. I don't know if it's even gonna come to that. I, I think honestly, right. it's gonna be right. a downhill because even though we know our running back RB one is great, RB two is probably good, and RB three might be good or great. They've got to run in this run scheme. The offensive line needs to block. Uh, we need to do some some zone blocking. We need to practice some blocking schemes. The tight ends need to get uh, acclimated to how we're gonna be blocking up the run. There's going to be plenty to work on. It won't just be about the quarterback. I am confident of that. It'll be about the tight ends. It'll be about the offensive line and the running back. So I don't think we're going to see the whole bag game Man, one. I don't. I I don't think the fa- the offensive line is not going to factor into this into this first game. It's not because no, they're they're going no, they're going really. they're going to have a plan to get when we do pass to get the ball out of Bo's hands and try to get that clock in his head right in these first two games. Yeah, I agree. Right. So, so when we do pass, the focus will be on that. Now, I believe that we can run the ball effectively enough for it may not to out, uh, impact the outcome of the game, but it may, out, it may impact how we look. And a lot of people are going to make determinations about whether this quarterback has taken the next step forward over what have undoubtedly been a disappointing first two seasons on the Plains. Based on what we were sold, based on the expectations that were set. Yeah. This is it, man. This is it for this is it for Bo. And I don't want to hear about Jason Campbell in his first fourth year either. Jason wasn't battling mechanical issues in his four, in, in his third year and second year. Yeah. Well, again, we we when we revisit this on the weekend tailgate, Auburn will have scrimmaged. And I'll be interesting to hear how Bo Finley, because again, those guys look great when it's a drill. 
But I want to see how these guys play when it's full speed and they got pressure on them. How do those mechanics look then? Right. How what, accurate are those throws then? Those look, throws then. That's what I was trying to tell the guy I was arguing with about it on Facebook. I yeah. was like, listen, man, it doesn't even matter what he says about Bo now. All that matters is how it translates to games. Because you know how I'm going to feel about what he said if at game time under pressure, we're going to find out everything we need to know about Bo Nix, game three versus yeah. Penn State. Right. On the road in a hostile environment because he has been historically bad on the road. And before anybody says, I'm Bo Bashing, that's just a fact. He wasn't great. So, I mean, the, I, I, all eyes are going to be on this. And, and, and I hope he takes the next step forward. I really do. I, th- I hope he takes the next step forward. But you know what? He doesn't. It's so, so, so Listen. Mike is always telling us how he's arguing with somebody on social media. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's all his stories. I was arguing with this UCF fan. I like engaging with fans. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the guy who was commenting, uh, we have a healthy back and forth a lot, right? And it's also a good way to test the strength of your convictions about things because if you can talk me off my argument, then maybe, like I said, it's time to reconsider your stance a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I felt I felt very strongly that it it was it was just coach speak from Bobo. I wouldn't. I told him I said I wouldn't read too much into it because his his thing was. People were saying, you know, I thought Bo was uncoachable. I thought y'all said Bo was uncoachable. Look what Bobo was saying. I'm like, listen, man, there are a lot of guys who look coachable in practice. Listen, guys, listen, listen, listen. We don't know how any of these people are going to hit until they get in the game. Right, right. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I mean, we're not going to know how anyone, even the people we're high on, we don't know how they're going to look into the game. Again, Gus has shown us for eight years that we've had good practices. Okay, so I just want to see us get to a game prepared and actually execute a solid game plan, make adjustments and actually look competent. Yeah. For 60 minutes. So this is this gives us something to talk about. Football season is upon us. I'm happy. But I again, we've seen this movie before. I want to see how we look in crunch time. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I see what J.C. Martin's comment here, right? Like uh, about talking about Malcolm Johnson Jr. Um, I, f- I mean, fair point. I just, I just think he's dynamic. I think he's got dynamic talent. That's all I'm saying. Right. I think that he can be a star. And the same with Jarquez. Will he be? Who knows? There's a bunch of stuff that affects that. What I'm saying is, is that this guy has the talent to be. How I felt about Demetrius Davis as well, too. But there are a bunch of other factors that affect whether these guys actually reach that potential. Coaching being first and foremost on the list, right? After that, if you're a receiver, man, like, oh, man, uh, go back and read Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz draft profiles. Almost every service that does that said that these guys suffered from a ton of inaccurate uh, uh, throws from their quarterback. Numbers, so you can't judge them based on numbers because their numbers are all skewed. Bunch of bad throws made to them. They dropped a lot of balls between the two of them in 2020. They dropped like 14 balls combined. I think Schwartz dropped six and Williams dropped eight. But at the end of the day, um, if you're a receiver, to some extent, your, your destiny is not really in your own hands. So we can only really talk about potential. 
Because if you got all the talent in the world, but you don't get targeted or the game plan doesn't factor you in or the quarterback just doesn't throw you the ball or see you when you're open, then what can you do? You're just you're just out there. If you're the QB, you touch the ball every single play. No single person has more of an impact on the game than the QB. Listen, let's root for let's root for Mike G to have to wear a Bo Nix jersey at the end of the season because he balls yeah, out. Because we that gotta, means Auburn has a good year. Well, we got to set those tell, criteria, man. What, what are the what's, thresholds what's, that Bo has what's, to what's, hit? What, what's your what's your jersey? What's your what's your shirt size? There, are you an extra large, large. Large, large. I'm large because because the War Report community will provide. So yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, we're gonna we you're gonna do a show. You're gonna do. We can, <laughs> we need to put the criteria together for what for what Bo has to do for mm-hmm. Mike G to have to do a whole show uh, wearing the Bo. Uh, listen, shirt. listen. For for the record, um, if we're doing the quarterback switch going into SEC play, I it's just gonna be a long season, man. I think, right? I I'm I'm. Of the mindset that if it's going to fall apart, I hope it follows. Let's move on to the next thing quickly. Let's not waste a whole season. Right? Because when your quarterback is does not play well, it's not just him that's affected. It's everybody that's affected. On offense. Everybody is affected. Yeah. You know, Tank, man, t- t- tank can still eat. Tank can still eat. You know, uh, to some extent, regardless of QB play, it's harder on him when we can't complete passes downfield because people, I think that people are going to load the box this year based on what's on tape and dare our quarterback to beat us. Yeah. I really do believe that. And if Finley's the one back there, based on what's on the tape, I think that they're going to load the box and come after him. Hey, listen, man. I, I th- This is my argument. Go improve the moment Gus got his walking papers. I said it before. Yes. Yes. That was the best thing to ever happen to me. And that's why I am reserving all judgment on everybody that plays offense until I see a number of quality games. I want to see people, not just the first two. I want to see Penn State. I want to see LSU. I want to see Georgia. Yeah. Then we're making some determinations on who's who. But Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, we're, (laughs) this wouldn't be fun if we didn't, if we didn't speculate, right? The speculation sure. is fun. And we'll get some sure. right and we'll get some wrong. You know, uh but Listen, I, I just I just I just I wanna I wanna have a show where Mike is eating Bojangles, drinking Milo's tea in a Bo Nicks jersey because <laughs> yeah, Bojangles Nicks. around here. I think there's a Bo oh, yeah, there is a Bo there's a Bojangles. I can down here. I'll yeah. send you some Milo's tea. All right, Basso, just to support both. And I'll post a picture. I'll go get I'm gonna go get some Bojangles for lunch tomorrow. Yeah, and get some Kool Aid to go with that Kool Aid smile you got now. <laughs> you crazy? So uh, <laughs> I mean, the season can't get here fast enough, guys. It really can't. Um, I'm ready to see what what this coaching staff has done and what they can do. I think that uh, Harson he should be in Candyland with all this talent he's got compared to where he was at at Boise State. Mm, this, yeah, you know, and sure. Mason. Let me tell you, this has got to be one of the best defensive rosters he's ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we've got these marquee offensive and defensive minds, and I just think that they might take a lot of people by surprise. You know, if you're Penn State, are you watching Boise's tape right now trying to see what you're in for offensively? Or you, or is that a mistake? Yeah. Right? And should you be watching? I mean, is it, would it be a mistake to be watching Auburn's tape from 2020 thinking that's what's coming? Certainly right, not. Yeah. Throw, yeah. Throw that out. I mean, you may you maybe are start uh, studying the quarterback to see what you might be up against. 
But in terms of scheme, I don't think I don't think any of these SEC coaches know what's coming from Harson if he's going to be truly multiple. Guys, thanks again for tuning in to the Wednesday Night War Room. Like this video if you haven't already. If you haven't, what are you doing? Subscribe to our page if you haven't already, guys. That helps us out a ton. You can find us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at The War Report. And if you are a TikToker, we are at TW Rapport. That's it for now, guys. We got a lot of content along the way. Insiders, be on the lookout for For the Record tomorrow. And for everyone else, we're dropping. Facts are not on Friday. We'll catch you on the weekend tailgate this upcoming weekend. Until then, and as always, War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle.